Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of Pictures Out There. Today, our hosts, Lee Stewart and Dave Fogelman, will continue with Part 2 of the three-part exploration of wisdom. They will show how curiosity, question-asking, and storytelling are powerfully linked to the ability to be wise. Wisdom is not all that hard to acquire. In fact, wisdom is simple. And now, here's Lee and Dave. Well, thank you very much, Candy, for that kind introduction. And welcome, everyone, to part two of a three-part series about Wisdom is Simple. Our topics for today will include the following. We're going to take a deep dive on curiosity, on question asking, and on storytelling. Each deeply help the simple to complex to simple process that we talked about in our previous podcast, part one of this mini-series. They really help our ability to draw out our wisdom over time. They also are closely connected to the core pictures concepts in that they incent us to create our own pictures. They serve to make all of our pictures better informed. They support the sharing of each of our perspectives They make our actions more effective, and they improve the quality of our inputs and outputs. So I think that's worth talking about, don't you, Dave? I do. So let's talk about them. So curiosity, that really is a starting point from simple, that first simple that we have when we don't know very much about an issue, or we don't know very much about another person or entity in a relationship that we're wanting to establish. All those scenarios that we talked about in the prior podcast. Curiosity takes us from our simple starting point of not having knowledge about a topic, an issue, or a person to the complex stage of learning, researching, discovery. And secondly, question asking. Good, effective question asking helps us while we're in that complex stage of learning and discovery. And then lastly, storytelling really helps us then understand the second simple, the simple compelling outcomes or elements that really crystallize the main things we've learned from our curiosity and question asking while we're in that complex stage. They help us get clarity about the simple and compelling conclusions that we need to have in order to focus going forward toward our personal growth and toward the right actions. Every person is born innately curious. We're born with equal amounts of curiosity. One individual is not more curious than another individual. So what happens to us? Because when we get to adulthood, that's probably true. Some of us are more curious than others. Let me go all the way back. Did, do we really start we with really the same We really start curiosity? from the same amount, if you will, amounts of curious term yeah. about curiosity. See yeah. what I did there? Curious term about curiosity. <laughs> uh, so what happens to us? How do some of us continue to be curious and grow that curiosity while others of us perhaps don't? It has to do with a multiplicity of factors. What kind of education system are we exposed to early in life? Do our parents incentivize us to be curious or not? So there are numerous factors. Who are in our friend network? Are they curious individuals or not? So all of those factors and dynamics and influences cause us to develop curiosity or to kind of not. And Lee and I, at at our uh, wonderful stage of life that we are at these days and, and both having grandchildren, We live that regularly, right? Mm -hmm. We see in one-year-old, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, and so on, that 
that just regular natural intention to be curious, to find out. Now, it may be I'm meeting a new person. Hmm, who are they? Right. And, but they're curious. Curious, yes. They're very curious about them. And somewhere along the process that we have of living in our society, there's a lot of incentive to stop being curious. Yeah. Let's just look at our educational system as an example. Again, there's many, many factors that contribute to this. But our educational system is kind of built for the most part, I'm generalizing on, here's the right answer. (laughs) Here's the best answer. Well, in some disciplines and some fields of study, that might be a good way to learn, okay? But in a lot of other instances in life, that excludes a whole lot of other curiosity and critical thinking. Lee, let's now go back to grade school, okay? We're in a classroom. And for those of you in the future that are listening to this, your educational system, we hope, is quite a bit different than what we're going to be describing here. But these days, and certainly with how we've grown up and and educational system since then, we're in this classroom. There's 15, 20, 30 other kids in there. And the teacher calls on us Mm -hmm. for an answer. Yes. And will I have the right Right answer? answer? The fear that gets created from not knowing, and the repetition of that over time. I remember a English teacher that both of my daughters had who whenever he would call on a student for an answer to a question, whatever the student would say, the English teacher would say, nice try. And and think about the reaction that that gives where it is an invitation to continue curiously learning, mm-hmm. you know? So yes. I, I always love that. And, and yeah. they would always say, yeah, just had a completely different reaction when your teacher would say, nice try, as opposed to that's wrong. That's not the right answer. <laughs> that's not the right answer. Yeah. So is curiosity about finding the right answer or is it about pursuing answers to the never ending, I don't know, or I wonder? And I think as, as Lee, you and I have been talking about, the three words, I don't know, are fascinating to think about in the sense of you can either look at those as, oh my gosh, I didn't know something. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to think I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. All the way to, I wow. should have known that. Yeah. Yes. But what an invitation to more curiosity. Right. I don't know. Huh. Well, you don't know yet. Append the word yet to it. It's okay that you don't know it right now. Love it. You just don't know it yet. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love that. So there's a piece here that we wanted to conjecture on a little bit. Do we, in pursuing answers to I don't know or I don't know yet, or I wonder, is that fun or enjoyable to do? Or is it a pain that we'd like to avoid? And I think one thing that I've certainly had a sense of in my own life and coming across people that I go, wow, they're incredibly curious. I mean, you can just tell they, they are lifelong learners and they're, they're just curious about everything. They enjoy it. Oh, yeah. It's something that's fun. That doesn't mean that every time they're, they're trying to do something, they come across something, oh, I don't know how to do that or I don't know the answer to that, that there might not be, a, uh, I got to stop here and I got to go learn something. But generally, they enjoy it. Yes. You know? And so, again, we would go back to childhood and go, well, I think that's, yeah, that exploration and curiosity babies and little kids tend to enjoy. Absolutely. We end up making it unenjoyable in some ways over time. Through all of the acculturation factors that occur. So let's reset here. 
curiosity is a, it's a cornerstone of wisdom, right? We're unlikely to acquire great wisdom in the absence of curiosity. So curiosity impacts everything we're talking about in this entire podcast series. Okay, so the second thing we wanted to talk about today was a few things about the impact of asking questions. And we're lifting this up as a particularly important thing to do during that complex stage of simple to complex to simple. You've made the decision to tap into your curiosity and you're now out there learning and researching and finding out things. And a huge skill set toward doing that effectively and impactfully is asking questions. So, Lee, let's talk about how we first learn about how to ask questions. So let's think about a two- or three-year-old child. Maybe a child is developing verbal abilities. One of the first things that comes out is why. Why? Why? Why are you having me do this, Mommy? Would you stop asking why? (laughs) Exactly. Every parent's been through that, right? (laughs) So I bring that illustration up to say it's innate, right? Everybody's born with that curiosity that's verbalized by the word why. So that's a way we begin to ask questions. But, Dave, how are children taught in school about how they should go about asking questions? Raise your hand. Yeah, we would say that, uh, you know, as children, there are things that we are taught about what we should ask about and what we shouldn't ask about. Mm -hmm. It's very tricky you know, as parents to kind of figure out, particularly when your children ask you some questions where you go, okay, really like you to know about that maybe five or 10 years from now, (laughs) but you're asking now. So it's not, it's not a simple thing to manage that as a parent. We would underscore that. But for both parents and teachers, it is, it is very natural for children to ask questions. And we sometimes intentionally or sometimes unintentionally motivate or demotivate them to ask questions by how we respond to their questions. Yes. And so there can be a message of, oh, I asked them questions. They didn't like that. I'll stop asking. What we would underscore here is always good to ask questions. Hopefully in the responses that we give to questions with young people, we are not discouraging them from doing that. Then as we become emerging adults, are we taught to ask questions in certain situations? What are the situations where it's okay? And what are the situations where it's not? Yeah. And you just kind of have to use your social antenna uh, to figure out when, when it's appropriate and when it's not. What type of question is acceptable? What type is not? And through all of that, there's this starting point of curiosity saying, it's great to ask questions. And so each of us gets confronted with these social situations where the message is the opposite of that. Yes. It's not okay. And that's a lot to sift through. It is. And ultimately, if somebody just goes, you know, it's just easier to not ask. It's less trouble to not ask. Wow, what's that doing to their curiosity? Let's talk about how we're taught how to ask questions and how and by whom. It begins in the home, generally, right? Moms, dads, siblings, extended family, We observe them, whether we're really overtly conscious of those observations or not, but it is sinking in, right? Oh, this seems like an appropriate question to ask. How to go about asking the question. My three children got drilled into them. Well, that's a very good question, a very interesting question. Why don't you go look further into that and then bring back what you found out and we'll discuss it together. Mm -hmm. I tried very, very hard to model that. Teachers, obviously, are going to have a gigantic influence in this as well. Gee, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be a great picture if some of these things were actually taught in school? Yes. And so the notion of curiosity being taught. Yes. Question asking 
being, being taught. taught. Yes. A lot of times going with question asking is active listening. We're not talking about that a lot today, but it's kind of the counterpart of that. Yes, it is. Storytelling, we'll talk about that. Why wouldn't we, for these things that are such huge life skills and such huge uh, factors, hopefully in a successful and satisfying life, why wouldn't we teach them? Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't we have a course on that? And the course might be a week or a month. Yeah. We just kind of hit that stuff willy-nilly, you know? Well, and, if and, at all. If at all. Right. And then as adults, lots of times we'll go, well, that's really the big stuff. You yeah. know, those are the big things. And yet we don't really embed that into our educational system because in our educational system, we're teaching facts. Yes. Right. And the right answer. And the right answer. We're not teaching skills about learning and curiosity and how to go. So yeah. interesting, interesting yeah. stuff. We wanted to hit while we were on this, uh, just uh, as an example, some uh, interviewing and question asking thoughts about how to do that. If you went out and searched that, uh, either at present or I'm sure in the future, there's all sorts of stuff about here's ways to ask questions. Yes. Here's ways to do that. So here's just two or three really interesting examples. There's an, an interviewer in particular who's very famous these days, won't name him, doesn't matter, but his big technique is to ask very short questions. And so if he's interviewing somebody or asking questions, he pointedly asks short ones. He asks a lot of why. What was that about kind of things mm-hmm. so that he doesn't stop the person's flow who's, who's answering. Yes. They have a chance to really think through something. It's a great technique. Yes. We have the five whys. Oh, the five whys process, which if you're familiar with that, it arose out of continuous improvement and quality assurance fields of thinking and business, but it has application for everywhere, right? designed to get rid of the superficial reactions that we all have, top of mind stuff, because the gold is five layers down. And get to the real thing. So that's a great technique. There's another approach to question asking that says be flexible. So I might go into uh, any kind of situation where I want to ask some questions, and you know the answer to the second question is kind of a surprise or it makes me think of something. Then I kind of change my questions. I kind of go, oh, so I, I start mining for some new wisdom or thoughts or thinking from that new question. Lots of times that's where you find nuggets. Sometimes just the question asking and curiosity for no predetermined reason is something that yields beautiful surprises. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, I'm just interested in this. For whatever reason, I'm going to follow that interest and see where it leads. It does not have to have a result. Our third of three topics that we're going to talk about today, storytelling. So the, uh, the visual imagery of stories, let's, let's kind of have a scenario where we have been curious. We have gone and found out about something uh, through research in that complex stage. We're now wanting to come out of that and have kind of a simple conclusion to what it was that we learned and discovered, what we think may be the most important thing. What we would say is that storytelling lots of times is an incredibly effective technique at being able to describe that second simple that, that ultimate conclusion out of the learning experience that you've gone through. Yes. And uh, it's also entertaining and interesting. So let's just talk about storytelling. A lot of research around storytelling points all the way back to cave people times. I'm not trying to be funny here. That was the first form of communication around, I need to teach you how to stay away from that poisonous berry bush. We did that through story. So story is almost ingrained into us at a DNA level. That's how we learn and how we remember things. We don't generally remember facts and figures. 
if I went to a business presentation this afternoon and the presenter had 15 slides of Excel PowerPoint data sheets, I'm not going to remember those. But if that presenter weaves that data into a story that I can remember, that's what I'll carry out with and remember and act on. And in the course of telling a story, right, we usually underscore one or two or three main points, mm -hmm. which has been our point about that's that simple stage at the end after the first simple and after the complex is that it you boil it down to one or two or three things exactly and as lee said that that storytelling well you might not remember even everything about the story you hear this afternoon you'll remember one or two or three things particularly things that the presenter may have underscored that's why this is so powerful the visual imagery of stories are easier to remember than other types of explanations and what happens when we have a culture of storytelling What's so powerful about that? Doesn't each one of us have a story? Mm -hmm. Don't we like telling our story? Mm -hmm. We like that. It's, it's reinforcing. It feels good. We all want to be understood. And uh, does hearing uh, a story connect with that need that we each have to be heard and understood? And then it makes us, once we've had our story heard, it makes us more receptive to hearing somebody what, else's what's story. Yours? Yeah, yeah, I shared yeah. mine. Let's hear yours. Yeah. So amidst the, the flurry of activity, and we've talked about the acceleration of life that we're certainly experiencing present day, there's times where we feel like we have the time to hear somebody else's story, and there's a lot of time where we probably feel like, I just, I just don't have the time. Or as Lee kind of gave that example, hey, give me that surface answer. How you doing? Mm -hmm. Good. Okay, yeah, okay, ya. we're done. Yeah. <laughs> So there has to be some times where we say this is important to slow down and you know really take the time and listen to each other's stories. Absolutely. Okay, are you ready for a biggie? Here comes a biggie. We need to hear the stories of others because <laughs> we cannot completely understand or feel someone else's experience without hearing their stories. Let's repeat that. We cannot completely 100% understand and feel somebody else's experience without mm. hearing their stories. Mm. Oh, we may understand some facts about them. They live at 123 Main Street. They're 42 years old. That's just facts about someone. That's not, that doesn't represent their story. Right. Okay. So there are pros and cons to the fact that we cannot completely 100% understand and feel someone else's experience. So let's talk about those. Okay. So some pros to uh, listening to each other's stories. We experience the joy of trying to understand and feel someone else's experience, even if we can't completely, right? There's, it's, there's no way that I can, if Lee tells me his story, there's no way that I can completely no, you can't understand that. You can't inhabit it. I can't inhabit that, okay? But it's one of life's great pleasures to listen and try to understand and feel. Yeah, absolutely. So we appreciate, again, the joy of our own uniqueness. Our own personal experience is something unique to treasure and to appreciate. We should never lose sight of our uniqueness in this. Lee, I still am waiting for the, the time where I'm hearing someone else's story, where I have the time and take the time to do that, and they have the time as well, and they tell me their story, and it's not interesting. I'm still waiting for yeah, the first time in my life. Everybody has an interesting story. Right. You know, that yeah. life does that. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. This may seem really simplistic, but why do we like TV shows? Why do we like to go to movies? Why do we like to read books? Because they're story-based. Yeah. They resonate with us. Exactly. Facts and figures really don't. 
So let's talk about the cons here. And we would all like to be able to completely understand and feel the experiences of those we know and love. But as we've said, we can't completely. Well, that can be disappointing perhaps or, or dissatisfying we may wish that we could yes or we may try to kind of shape the story we've heard from them in a way to where we go yeah i completely get it yeah well you yeah. know that, yeah. that's through our lens exactly yeah. exactly so we can't do this because we all have biases some of which we're conscious of many of which we are not conscious of we try to label other people without actually trying to know them to know their personal experiences, to know their stories. We just put labels on people. I think we've all had experiences where we, all sorts of different stages in life, made those assumptions about somebody else. And then we hear their story, their actual experience, and we are surprised. Oh, yeah. And we go, whoa. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Then we turn around and immediately go right back to you know that pattern that we have of shortcutting. And making an assumption that, about the next. we make assumptions about the next person. Right. And it's like, and then we, we do this kind of throughout our lives. We do. Very frequently. And I catch myself, and somebody finally shares their story with me, and I hear it, I listen to it, and I'm so astonished by it. I tell myself, don't do that the next time. Right. You made an assumption that was disproved. Right. And sure as hell, the next time I make the same <laughs> assumption. Do the same thing. So uh, as we're moving toward our future segment, here's a thought. We say, and I, I would certainly say, gosh, what are the three most beautiful words in our language? I love you. That one's that one's tough to beat. That's up there. Yeah, it's 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 right there. How about maintenance provided neighborhood? <laughs> okay, that that one's near and dear to your heart. I know, I know. But uh, what about? I was going to say three words. Maybe now with what we've talked about, it's four. What about? I don't know. And yet. what if it's, I don't know yet. yet. Yeah. yeah. Those are four pretty beautiful words. They really are beautiful words. Yeah. They're the foundation of curiosity. Yeah. So now is the time when we speak to the future. Hello, future. Hey, y'all. We don't know who you are out there, but we love you. Whether you're aliens or sentient, artificial intelligence, whatever it be. By the way, we got to get away from the term artificial intelligence at some point. It's advanced intelligence. It's advanced we intelligence. We talked about that last season. Yeah. Yep. So, take, take no offense. We're trying to do a new pattern, but for all the advanced intelligence forms out there that are listening to this, go back to our podcast last season. <laughs> that's right. You'll know that we're saying we mean advanced, we even mean when advanced. we say artificial. And I just tripped over that because <laughs> I do not yet represent advanced intelligence. Okay. So future generations, we're going to believe that you've acquired curiosity, that you're great at asking questions, that you're superlative at storytelling, that it is embedded in everything that you do think and say. So here's how we expect that you got to that point. Can we say education? From growing up, we understand a huge parent skill is to maintain your child's curiosity, answer questions, or yes. to, as you're saying, divert them to another source for getting the question answered through their curiosity. A different so way. you used a very important word, maintain our children's curiosity yep. because they come to this life with it. Yep. Yeah. So it's a matter of maintaining it and nurturing it, not necessarily of creating it or developing it. It's already there. Yep. Yep. And I think as we've talked about and are trying to reconnect this back to the concept from the last podcast of uh, simple to complex to simple, it is again, teaching on that dynamic. And so with storytelling, 
uh, is an example, understanding why that can be a very powerful way of summarizing those compelling things that you've gotten out of the complex stage and turning it into something that's memorable for you and that also in sharing with other people will be memorable for them too. Yeah. So you in the future might look back at us in the current time and say, why didn't you folks figure this out? You know, what kept you from getting where we are? Well, I think we've wrongly incentivized and nurtured the right answer phenomenon, right? Here's no, you must come forward with the right answer, whether that's in a school setting, a business setting, in a relationship setting, in all settings, for whatever reason, we've developed this, there's one best way, there's one right answer approach, and we feel that you have overcome that. Yeah, we've created a fear environment around I don't know, mm-hmm. and have not had that be an I don't know yet. We think you all have established from the beginning of somebody coming into life and having that natural curiosity, you've uh, reinforced that all along the way and uh, have made that the focus. So we like closing these podcasts with a quote. This one today uh, is abbreviating one from Gandhi. This is the divine mystery supreme, a wonderful thing it is and the source of our happiness. We need not wait to see what others do. And so we can be curious We can ask questions. We don't need permission to do that. Then we can share our collective stories and experiences with other people. We don't need permission to do that. We can do that now, starting right now. So, what are your pictures? What are your perspectives? What are your ideals? And what is your influence to use and share with others? Thanks again for joining us. We hope you have a great day, and we'll talk to you soon. Come back for part three of this three-part mini-series next time. Thanks for joining us today. As always, feel free to explore more about Pictures Out There at picturesoutthere.com and major social media sites. We hope you have the day of your dreams, the day of your pictures.